You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 6 of Cards and Cubes, the good, the bad, and the ugly card games. Nice. I like it. We're your hosts. I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And today we're going to be rating cards based on their appearances. This is going to be a smash or pass episode. We're just going to hold up a bunch of cards. <laughs> smash or pass. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, what is it? Something marry or kill. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit R-rated for, for our podcast, I think. Yeah, this is a family show, Risto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all of that was definitely true uh we're actually going to talk today just kind of about our favorite and maybe okay and least favorite ways of using cards in games yep i uh, we're actually going to talk about some I, i'd argue like mostly card games uh the, they're not entirely card games as very few games are nowadays there's other mechanics mixed in unless obviously you're playing like a pure card game like a trick-taking game but even then sometimes there's like cubes or other elements or whatever so but I th- i'd say they're predominantly card games so that kind of spawned the topic i think of just let's talk about uh, some card game mechanics and things that are like, good bad and ugly so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know which ones the bad and the ugly ones are but we'll figure it out i guess and i i suspect that the ugly might be different for you know between the two of us you might think something's good where i'm i might think it's kind of (laughs) ugly so uh beauty is in the eye of the beholder Uh, the card holder (laughs) uh that that's it. You're off the podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I think that will be an episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, why don't you kick it off, Risto? What's what's a use of cards you like, and then we can talk about a. Couple, <laughs> I'm a laughing. Games. I'm laughing because the first thing that I have marked here that I want to talk about is actually not really my favorite thing. Which no, is, this is your favorite. <laughs> which is a lot of card games. Uh, you uh, kind of draw cards off the top of of a deck, and actually, um, the well, at least one of the games I think has this element kind of prominently. Um, which usually is not my favorite thing and i think that's uh, kind of like one of the first or earlier mechanics is just kind of draw off the top of the deck and either deal cards or draw one by one you know so lots of randomness lots of whatever you get you get uh some cards some games that i have listed are uh, port royale arc nova actually which is uh, one something we're going to talk about in race for the galaxy and actually um i generally boon lake oh boon lake as well yeah yep um I, of these, I actually like Race for the Galaxy. I think I th- I'm more okay there because uh, personally, I think there's a lot of kind of card churn or whatever. Uh, so you, you basically draw a lot of cards and you discard a lot of cards, which I think makes it kind of more okay maybe in, in my eyes, even though it's not my preferred mechanic or uh, kind of just to deal with cards in general, because obviously if you're drawing off the top of a deck, there's kind of a lot of luck. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's probably why. 
yeah. um, in general. Kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, the Uno is the probably worst offender of them because you can draw some card that you need or like a plus four or whatever. You know, something awesome or something really bad. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's kind yeah. of what usually drawing off the top of the deck reminds me of that those kind of experiences in, in my life <laughs> in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think that, uh, I mean, you're right. I think that the fewer things that you can do with the cards in the game and you're just kind of drawing cards, um, if you're less inclined to like lucky games, then uh, I think what shifts the scales for, for you if you're in that realm, and I, that's kind of my, uh, my preference, is um, mixing in other things you can do with these cards. So for the, for the, you know, the examples you gave, I would say... The things you can do with cards, like the scale of being able to do not very much versus being able to do quite a bit. Uh, Port Royale is probably just mostly, you know, on the further, (laughs) the luckier side of that spectrum. Maybe followed by kind of Arc Nova, actually. To to be fair, Port Royale, I think, is kind of a pure, or not, I don't know if it's pure because there's engine building, but, like, it's pretty much a push-your-luck game. Like, it's designed as a push-your-luck game, so I think that's fine. Also, like, reminds me of, like, Dead Man's Draw or something. I don't know if you played that, but it's just, like, a game where you're, it's designed to make you push your luck and uh, maybe fail miserably with with high stakes. So So that's fine. Maybe if like the if the game is intended to be kind of push your lucky like that, then you know maybe that's more fun. Is that what you're saying? But where if you're yeah. like getting a heavier game and and you're just top decking, then it feels less fun. Is that what you're trying to say? Basically, yeah. Maybe that's part of it for me. Yeah. If it's if the same push your luck kind of thing is part of a larger game, maybe less less interesting. Yeah, just out of those examples you gave, I could see I can actually kind of see that because you you may not love Port Royale, but I maybe have fun with it because it is kind of just a push your luck game. Um and then Race for the Galaxy, I know you like a lot, but you're you're just like drawing a bunch of cards, but you know, the spoiler alert, this is gonna come up with other things you can do with cards and games, but there's other things you can do with them, and then you're just like drawing a bunch and over the course of the game you're just throwing cards all over the place. So there's yep. lots of things you can do with them. And I would say that's even um true in Boone Lake to a degree. That's what actually I was going to say is we don't have it called out separately, but uh, using cards as currency kind of sells the race for the galaxy issue to some extent because the cards are coins, basically. And actually, Boon Lake, it's not direct, but you can sell cards for coins, which you can yeah. build other cards with. So I think Boon Lake is kind of like reaching the same thing. It just involves two steps instead of so race for the galaxy, you just like straight pay with cards for four cards with four pay four cards with cards boon like you have to first sell them then buy cards which is two-step but i guess it's pretty much the same thing yeah but in boon like you are drawing a lot of cards over the course of the game but i think you know there's various things you can do with them i would even say that maracaibo if you're talking fister games is is more cards off the deck to then use them for other things because the card themselves have resources on them but there's also a card market so you're not just uh pulling things randomly off the top of the deck and speaking of card markets i think that's the next thing on our list yeah i was gonna say a kind of an interesting crossover actually which i played recently unfortunately you didn't play it uh so you're gonna be like what is this it's 
10. It's a weird game where a card market is mixed in with a push-your-luck mechanic because the mechanic there is... Uh, it's kind of a silly like set collection game. Actually, you're trying to co collect sequences of numbers, kind of like uh, no thanks. Like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And I think you get points based on your longest sequence or something. I can't remember what the points are, but you're trying to make sequences of cards. And there is a mechanic where it's kind of like Port Royale, so you're revealing cards off the top of the deck to create a market, actually, actually exactly like Port Royale. And it's kind of the same thing, but the cards like you don't select, I think, go to a market to the side. So it's like an interesting mix of uh, pusher luck plus markets. But markets are one way, I think, to solve the drawing off the top of the deck. What yeah, do you there's, think? I, I agree. Um, I think there are good ways to do markets and there are bad ways to do markets <laughs> or maybe just less good ways to do markets. Um, some games we have listed to, to mention is Clank. Uh, you could also throw Dune Imperium into that same category because it's basically the same thing where you have, what is it, five or six cards just face up in a market and as you buy them at the end of your turn, or right after you buy them, actually in Dune Imperium, okay. the the cards replace, and so you kind of have a market that refreshes only when players are interacting with it. And in Clank, that's important because uh, refreshing the market actually is part of the game timer because the dragon or Doctor whatever his name, the evil thing in space, Clank in yeah, space. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, that attacks and basically like pushes the end of the game the more players are buying cards so uh towards the end of the game maybe players are choosing to buy fewer cards to increase their chances of getting out and actually scoring points um i think that's good except for when people stop buying cards and there's there's <laughs> bad cards in the market and then you just have a bad market where it just stops causing <laughs> you know? attacks uh, yeah exactly <laughs> In it, well, in Clank, that's that's decent if you're kind of done building your deck and you just want to survive. There's a there's a pretty good incentive to not buy cards in games like Dune Imperium, and it's not the only one. There's other there's other um, games with with card markets that are get kind of stale. You want more cards, you want good cards, but you don't want to buy bad cards because then that ruins your turn. So I think in that situation, you kind of need something that just self-refreshes the market over time. That's just my my take on that. I think actually uh, the kinds of Dune Imperium uh, clank card markets, which is just like a line of cards, have been done quite a bit because I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, but there's been some interesting innovations which I wanted to talk about. Um, actually, the original OG card market, I think, it was the Dominion style card market where there's just like a preset set of stacks that's also kind of gone out of fashion, I, I think, a little bit. It I came seen... back in Alma Mater. Oh, yeah. Alma Mater, maybe. Yeah. That's true. Also, I was going to say uh, Quest for Eldorado was a recent game which is kind of like the Dominion card market. There's, It's kind of... 
not all stacks are available and if a stack runs out whoever's turn it is introduces a new stack of cards so it's kind of like an in, in the, the, just a twist on the dominion style market which is just like a preset stack of cards so that's kind of interesting as well but yeah not i don't think too, too many games recently have done the dominion style i think it's seen as like old for some reason i don't know why i'd have to look again but i think eschaton also does it Oh yeah, Eschaton. I haven't played Eschaton, but I think that you're right. I think that's a preset card market as well. Uh, preset meaning there's like four copies of a card. Then if you buy, if people buy all four copies, it's done. But every card yeah. is available. I I actually really liked how Alma Mater did this because I know in Dominion it's you have to get like a certain number of silver or gold or whatever to buy the card. Is that right? And, and, and yes, then and yes. then Quest for El Dorado, I think, is similar. Or you just yes, have to have you have to you have to reach a price to just be yeah. able to buy the card. So it's like a build up, kind of like yeah. a deck tree or something. I do like how El Dorado happens though, where the the what's available in the market changes based on player decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, just whoever's turn it is. Yep. Yeah, so that that I like, but in Alma Mater is actually really cool. Uh, so it's the professor cards in in that game, which is a, a worker placement game. Um, the cost of the professor cards are determined by the first person to buy one, and it's like a cost of different colors of books. And so, and that just plays into like the whole economy of that game is trying to make your books valuable. Um, yeah, you set the price in terms of like a color, exactly. which is weird. And I really like that, actually. Alma Mater is kind of like this closed economy, and the card market uh, incentivizes people to buy or not buy your books. Um, so I, I thought that that was really, really, uh, really good, good way of doing it. Yep. Uh, another thing, actually, which... Clank and Dune kind of, I don't know why they didn't do it. Again, I haven't seen actually too many games do recently for some reason is the river. So it's basically like Clank. There's six cards, but they are in the river and they slide. And there's like a, the highest card which just came out, which arguably is maybe the more desirable or whatever. I don't know. Not necessarily the most desirable, but like if something is something you need, it says the most expensive one, like six coins or something. I don't know why they decided to not do that. Maybe to make the game more dynamic and just like faster playing so it's not as crunchy. I don't know. Maybe that's what the decision. But some of these river games, uh, Terra Mara, your favorite, it literally has a river. They're not the classic river, but that's a weird, like built into the game, how how you can go on the river. Uh, Firenze also. Yeah. Um, I was going to say on, I, maybe I need to give T- Terra Mara another try, but um, a, a game that did it similarly to how Terra Mara does it, um, it was Tekenu. Oh, yeah. Um, where you can just be more science-y and be, know more about yeah, cards. <laughs> yeah, well, so it has a similar river thing. Actually, I don't remember if cards fall off in that game. Maybe they do. Um, actually, I don't think they do because they replace into certain slots. It's been a minute. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't think so either. I think they um, don't really flow left. Yeah, so so unlike Terramar, it doesn't flow left, but it is a very large like just line of cards that are available to buy and your ability to buy cards higher up the stream, you could call it where the better cards are is dependent on you going up a track to be able to access those, which I, I tend to, I tend to like that kind of mechanism in games where you're moving up tracks to then 
be able to do better things. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't know why I draw this comparison between Terramar and Takenu because they're not similar really at, at all. But no, I, The games are not similar, but the mechanic is similar. And I think that's actually a very interesting kind of less explored thing to have a track for which how high you can buy cards from is dependent on some other track in the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't do it because it feels mean. Actually, I think that's why probably part of it is why you probably didn't hate, didn't hate, didn't like Tamara, because uh, if you're high on the river, you have first pick of cards for basically the whole game, and it feels like if you're behind on the river, you're just picking up trash. But I mean, you can totally make a game out of the trash, and I, I've done it. It's just kind of better to have first pick, though, unfortunately, and that yeah. like, that just feels kind of bad. <laughs> In yeah. General, yeah, I, I, I remember it feeling bad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because yeah. like the the way it is in Terramara and actually in Tekeno is like you always get basically first pick of whatever comes up or something. It's how it's designed, unfortunately. And yeah. that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, I, I liked it in Tekeno because it was, you know, you have access to the good stuff if you invest yourself in getting there, right? Yeah, yeah. So... It's not that you just kind of lucked into the amazing stuff. It's you you put yourself into a position where you had access to the good yeah. stuff, I guess. I actually, in my opinion, is that uh, Terramar is the same. You just have to, like, I think, understand the game and, like, really important to start right uh, with the, what you want to do, I think, in that game. Yeah. I, I generally like games from that design group, so but I maybe I need to give Terramar but, another try. But it is kind of uh, just mean mean game with like <laughs> yeah, people kind that. of yeah. people kind of falling behind. There's also like this track where you can steal resources from basically people that are behind. But I think with like equal players, it should be a good game in theory. Yeah, maybe I'll try uh, it again sometime. Actually, speaking of which, another game that I we played recently, which has like a combination of river plus market, it's like a spreadsheet basically, is The Hunger. Um, I don't think the rest of the game was super noteworthy, but the, the market of cards was uh, pretty interesting because you first of all create like multiple card spaces where you can get cards and then they flow down like in multiple river segments <laughs> or something if that makes sense uh you basically have to look at it but i think uh and also you were mentioning on the previous podcast i think we've already ta- talked about it that it's a pretty cool kind of uh, like innovation i think because i don't think there's been a card market quite like that like a basically a spreadsheet card card market yeah. with river plus market yeah, I I really enjoyed um, the the card market mechanism and hu- the hunger. I thought it was good. Also, one interesting thing about it was like the cards don't fall off; they just like get into this pile of trash that <laughs> eventually that that eventually trash. gets like so good that like even though it's trash, you're just like, well, I'll just take the freaking trash because there's like five cards in there or something. Yeah, and it costs one <laughs> yeah. one point to get them all. Yep. So it's just like it's a it's it, it's a weird mechanic that works in that game specifically, but I think that's kind of an innovation that I haven't seen before. So that's pretty cool. It's actually kind of funny thematically too, because if you eat a bunch of junk food, you're gonna feel bloated, bloated and slow because you're gonna have a bunch of garbage in your deck yeah i think we've talked about it before basically the game's about like uh you're vampires and you're like biting people and you're drinking their blood so if you drink a bunch of like bad blood it's like clog your deck and stuff and it's kind of gross but it's cartoony and funny i guess it's very similar to clank yeah yeah it was good i liked it 
And actually, the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, another very unique game, I think. And I was trying to think of even weirder games that I've uh, played with, kind of like card markers, but Arboretum. Have you played Arboretum, Trevor? I have not. Basically, the card market is very weird because there's one deck and you put cards left and right, if I remember correctly, and you cover up cards. Uh, but again, it works very well with the game because with the game, it's kind of like a Lost Cities type. You're looking for cards. Um, so like you bury cards and sometimes to get to a card that you needed, you have to like unbury it by taking the cards on top. So you're, I think your decision is you can take off the top of the deck, if I remember correctly, or from one of the sides. So like you, the, their strategy of like try trying to bury people's cards or there's something like you reveal cards and then you like can take from the top or from the sides or something but basically the strategy is like you can try to bury cards that other people need so that they have to like dig through trash to get to them or push your luck or hopefully a good card is on top for you or just kind of yeah just that's it it's very interesting and it works really well with that game but i think it's a very interesting market actually uh trajan i think does that a little bit as well with the ships right there's the same yeah. like left right ship like uh resources resources i think there's like you put a resource on the left resource on the right or you can take the top two or something uh but i think maybe that's where it came from but i think that's kind of a cool in innovation or maybe like repetition of Trajan if it did it first. I don't know if it, someone did it before of kind of like the left right of the deck burying cards or whatever mechanic. So it's pretty interesting. Anyway. Yeah, one other uh, unique card market that comes to mind is in Fort. Oh yeah, that's also kind of an innovation, I think. Yeah, so like there is your three card market in the middle, which is just kind of vanilla card market. But then your card market is also dynamic because it you can take cards from other players if they did not play certain cards on the cards on their turn. They have to put all of their cards out in front of them, and then players can steal the cards. Uh, from other players around the table so your your card market is actually cards that belong to other players yeah that's also very interesting it temporarily kind of adds your leftover hand to the card market and if it survives it's still in your deck if it's not you hate the game <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, I, I, it's, I, uh, it's a take that card market is what yeah. i call it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, uh you, that style you're, card you're not you're not saying that you're one of the you hate the game now that would be blasphemous. Uh, no, it's just kind of funny because I, <laughs> I think one of the games, like I was already losing, obviously, and like I think I ended up with like five cards, which is just, like which is basically your, your hand size, and it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> like, well, I have five cards left. You're supposed to have like ten or fifteen, you know. It's like you're adding cards to your deck in theory, but if everyone just takes your cards, you just end up with fewer and fewer. I actually don't know. Is there a limit of how few cards you can have in that game? I there. Feel like there are, should be a limit or something. There are like, I'll certain, just play my single card every turn. <laughs> <laughs> there are cards that you cannot. Um, oh, that's right. You cannot lose unless your you, friends. Yeah, unless yeah. you like get rid of them on purpose. Um, and then s theoretically, you always have at least one card that you've saved because you played it. Yeah, but I mean, in theory, I think if you get rid of your friends, you could end up with one card, which is just you could, hilarious. yeah, maybe <laughs> just play that one card over. And over. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could easily find yourself in a position of having three or four cards. 
uh, that's kind of an extreme thing. Like it's probably like a series of bad decisions or something, or just really horrible people that you play with. But um, yeah, or you know. just got lucky and you got all the good cards. <laughs> people yeah, are taking maybe. them from you. <laughs> but it shouldn't really happen in most games. I think in general, it's yeah. a very interesting kind of a system. I think is it encourages you to I don't know get get lucky with draws. <laughs> so you can use all your <laughs> cards and, and be safe. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting game. Whatever. And hey, you can also top deck in that one. So cards off the top. Sure. Yeah. It's it's got everything. The, drawing off the top of the deck is always the best choice usually in card <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're super desperate like none of this actually works for me and let's just see if a random card works for me so. uh, the the views of Riesta do not necessarily reflect the views of cards and cubes <laughs> this disclaimer yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which let's get off of card markets unless you have something else for card markets nope I'm done with that uh, multi-use cards I think that's another solution to the draw cards off the top of the deck problem maybe or not a problem feature I don't know if you like it I think uh, I was thinking about when I was talking about Uno the dumb thing about Uno I mean it's, it's fine whatever it's, it's a game that's very popular but if you draw like one green or whatever I don't even remember there's colors right you have to play, play either the matching color or the number or something right uh yeah there's also just like insane amount of rules for uno that's actually crazy because it's been a while since i've played that i actually played solo which is basically european version of uno on board game arena for a little bit and i just kind of like what am i doing with my life but um i think the problem there is if you draw like a three blue you can play it on blue or two so not much of a choice if it's Good your turn rhyme. if it's your turn and you can't play it you can't play it it's like cool i'll just draw <laughs> i guess uh but i think yeah. a solution to that is multi-use cards where you can have multiple options so the card you draw might give you multiple choices which might let you do something that you actually want to do as opposed to the game just like feeding you something random uh just some titles with multi-use cards mutainai glory to rome mutainai is kind of a re-implementation i think reimagining of glory to rome actually gloomhaven ironically uh, gloomhaven always gets mentioned in everything because technically it's multi-use cards because you have two options per card and you can and it's select. amazing yeah and it's really good and it works really well uh so you can select like the top or bottom option of your cards even when it's your turn so you can kind of switch up your actions if something doesn't work out so a little bit of flexibility it's not as rigid as like well my action didn't work but sometimes it doesn't work if <laughs> yeah if, if your teammates kill things next to you and you're immobilized <laughs> yeah also your your um cards represent your stamina and oh, they yeah. can, you can use cards to take damage. Yeah. Um, 51st Date, which is one of my favorite games. You can use cards three different ways. I mean, they're kind of all re leading to resources in a different way, but... Um, I don't know. I think it's cool. Uh, actually, I expected Lagranja to like Lagranja. Um, I only played it once. It kind of had some take that and uh, kind of a mean game. Also, I like my multi-use card games to be more like flowing. I think Lagranja had a lot of like Euro just enough resources type things. So it was much slower moving game in general than I expected. But I think it still has potential. Maybe I should play it again. Uh, I kickstarted the uh, deluxe master set for that oh, one. Oh, cool. 
Uh, sure, yeah, maybe I'll give it a try again, but I kind of expected it to like flow faster. You know, that's my preference in general with these kind of games. Yeah, I, it, that doesn't strike me as a flow fast type of game. Nope, <laughs> it's not flow <laughs> it's fast. A, it's like uh, really think about how you're gonna play your cards. Uh, by the way, that game has an interesting mechanic also, where like the multi-useness of cards is through holes in the board or something, or like cutouts. So your cards obviously have the different options. Uh, some cards like Mutaina, you like the options that are disabled on the cards in Lagranja there's like these weird cutouts in the board so you can do like the middle or whatever actually speaking of cutouts it reminds me of uh, the disassembled the mountain game Sierra West uh, Sierra West Sierra I was going to say that yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of the sim- kind of a similar thing like you're just like fiddling with your cards and you're putting them in these cutouts that show certain things but cards have multiple options um, I think those games not, don't come out frequently also because a lot of people have like uh, AP um, like the first few times you play these kind of games you're just like oh my gosh because you can do like all the combinations of your entire hand in all kinds of different ways <laughs> in all kinds of different order so they're, they're a little crazy um, yeah, yeah, certain games kind of take that concept and make it a little more approachable. The one that most recently came out that comes to mind is Cryo. Um, I actually don't remember what the exact multi-useness was there. I just remember the worker placement drones on the board. Yeah, so the cards there, I think you can tuck either on the top of your board or on the bottom. If it's on the top, it's an ongoing ability. If it's on the bottom, it's a vehicle that you're loading up with oh, pods yeah, to then right. send into the caves. So uh, I thought that that was a neat use of you know uh, uh, multi-use card mechanism. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't keep the game <laughs> for other reasons, but uh, yeah. uh, but that was cool. I feel like it was good, yeah. But I, uh, the driving thing in that game, I think, is the worker placement mostly. The cards were just kind of auxiliary in some ways, but they are important though. That's kind of both, I guess. So anyway, so that was a weird game. I don't know. Anyway, uh, actually another again really cool game which I really like uh, and I kind of kind of a little bit forgotten maybe or unappreciated. I think is Lewis and Clark. I think uh, some people don't like that game because it's can be kind of runaway um, if you don't get the right cards, you will lose. <laughs> Like quite quite a bit, I think. So I think people who kind of know how the game goes have an advantage in Lewis and Clark. And uh, also it's very kind of AP as well. That game has a lot of options, a lot of cards, a lot of things you can do with them. Uh, the unique thing there is you can use the cards as like part of kind of worker placement actions or the ability on the card themselves kind of a weird theme but basically it all translates into kind of types of movement and you're trying to just finish the trail first or whatever your multiple lewis and clarks i guess it's like a competing clones of lewis and clark because <laughs> it's like four copies of them like running along the trail and whoever wins is lewis and clark is the true clone all the other clones get eliminated you're playing Lewis, Lewis, and Clark, Clark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, I think that's a cool game and uh, really interesting, like, uh, multi-use cards. I mean, I don't know if they're that interesting because you can use them for kind of two things, really. But uh, kind of an interesting game, I think. Yeah, another... Very unique. I don't. I haven't played that one before. Not many people are 
suggesting to play <laughs> not, it these not days. Not many people have played it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah. it used to be more popular. Like I say, a little bit forgotten, old, crusty, unappreciated, maybe. Yeah, I've I've heard people talk about it, but I've never seen people playing it. Um, another multi multi use card that game that I thought of is Oh My Goods. Um, you, OMG. OMG. You're you're drawing so many cards off the top of the deck in this one. Um, but what you're doing is so you're drawing them into your hand to then either build them or discard them as resources or to like run your buildings and like basically just run production engines is what the game's all about. So you tried to get cards from your hands converted into goods, oh my goods, that are stacked on top of your production buildings. And then you can move those cards between your production buildings to like become better resources. So the, the card uh, changes what type of resources it is depending on what building it's on top of. And then you can use your cards to actually act because you have to actually activate your buildings for it for them to run their production so if the right type of resources aren't drawn off the top of the deck for the for the round then you can use cards from your hand to kind of jump start them um not not really tons of multi-uses but they it is technically multi-use i think so. multi multi-use enough Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually looking at the Lewis and Clark. Also, I think the problem with Lewis and Clark is it can be long because of the F, um, AP that I mentioned before. And also, it's very kind of hard to teach, I think, uh, conceptually. I mean, the rules are not bad, but like the strategy, like good luck. I don't know. It's, it's very kind of confusing the first time you play. They actually made a Discoveries, the journals of Lewis and Clark, which is kind of like a, a half <laughs> the game. <laughs> it went from 120 minutes to 60 minutes the complexity didn't go by half though at least the rated on bgg so maybe it's not a, not half complexity i'm joking i don't know i've actually never played it though so i don't know if i recommend it but i think it's like a kind of like an appeal of like the system is cool check it out and like we'll make it easier game so you can grasp the system easier or something i don't know um i think generally reviews are good for discoveries as well but i haven't played it so i don't know yep uh did you have anything about anything else about multi-us cards uh no i think we covered uh covered a good amount there uh so the next thing i have here listed is actually multiple types of cards played by different actions this sounds like more like a complaint or something but actually uh, this works in race for the galaxy what i was going to talk about here and we can just kind of mention it is that there's cards which in Race for Galaxy, there's like developments and settlements. In Arc Nova, there's sponsors, animals, and projects. Terraforming Mars, are there multiple cards in Terraforming Mars? Yeah, there's, I don't remember the names of them, but there's the green cards, the blue cards, and the red cards, the events, uh, and I don't remember what the blue and I've, green card, but you play them all the same way, I think. Yeah, Terraforming Mars, I think, is a miss here because what I meant is like, there's a different action in the game to play cards and there are different types of cards in terraforming mars which are played the same way though so i think it kind of doesn't apply um i think i don't know what i was just going to mention here is that that's a little bit dangerous because i think like 
you know, multi-use cards and just drawing lots of cards or whatever, it, like decreases, I think the luck increases your options. I think uh, having different actions for different types of cards, um, a little bit dangerous territory because again, it like, I think it like increases the luck, you know what I mean? Because you're restricted to having a, a to do a specific action, which maybe is like shifting or blocked or whatever. Uh, yeah, if you like play an Ark Nova. Card. If you want to play, is, yeah. if you if you don't have animals and your animal card is in the top spot, yes, it's not great. Then then you don't get to play animals, but you can. The consolation for that, I think, is you drop it and just pick up an X token, which no. lets you increase the value of one of your other cards on another turn. I refuse. <laughs> but you refuse to do the bad action. <laughs> uh, no, actually, also, I think that's actually part of the strategy in Race for the Galaxy is like anticipating where you're weak and uh, kind of plugging the misses or plugging the holes because uh, like I say there's developments and settlements and if you see that the other person has a lot of development bonuses or whatever that's more likely that they'll play a development so like you should solve the problem or like have, a, have in mind the development to kind of plug because they're going to do a development action so that might enable you actually like Ares Expedition is another game of this kind where like the card you play might be dependent on someone else playing the action actually in that game because you can't repeat actions um, RFTG doesn't have this problem <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Ares you can only play so you can't like develop 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 which in Race for Galaxy you totally can in Ares you have to develop and then do something else and then develop and then do something else no but it's okay but because nobody ever does the same action so somebody else will do it right yeah yeah that's that's the luck that I'm talking about <laughs> Is like you're really praying if you have a good development action because you can't repeat it that someone will like just happen to do it and you'll just kind of be happy so you get to play your awesome card one turn earlier or something uh, but I think like I say those things are a little bit dangerous because it sounds kind of cool you're like you're increasing the decision space or whatever I don't know I'm not a game theory guy but you're increasing the decisions, but you're all, I think you're also increasing kind of the luck in the game again, which the cards are supposed to like reduce or something in some ways. I don't know. That's that's all I had to mention about this, really. Just multiple actions played by multiple types of cards. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a really good mechanism. I, I'm just sitting here trying to think oh. why I like Arc Nova and why I don't like Race for the Galaxy. Uh, no, no. Uh, I was going to say uh, Boon Lake, the time of day, exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah. The yeah, time of day works. is another artificial like, oh, you just can't play this card because it's summer or not summer, sundown or something. So the cards have like a time of day and it locks you up in choosing the specific action, which I think is actually, again, part of the design because those cards maybe are designed to work better with the types of actions that feature their time of day or something but sometimes it's a little painful because you don't want to do the specific action and it just kind of like is like yeah. but luckily in in boon lake well luckily uh you don't necessarily you don't get kind of screwed into that by your opponents because the you choose it you, you choose it yeah the game, you choose, the, game yeah. the game messes you well <laughs> you don't always have because you always have a choice to do something else sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're willing to pay for it and then there is the there is the lever board where you can have actions that activate when you don't do the card 
when you like if you if you pick a tile and you're not playing the card, if you're foregoing that action, you can just trigger a lever. Yep. A lever, 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 a lever, a lever, and then uh, do that action. So that I appreciate in Boon Lake that there are ways to kind of work around that and still give you choices. But yeah, to yeah. your point, if you if you are stuck with that kind of situation and you can't do anything, then that's like not so fun. Um, I think in Boon Lake, it's not you can't do anything. You just might get like a weaker or not less desirable action. Less movement on your ship is the biggest thing. I think. Yep. Which is unfortunate, but I mean, it's part of the game, and yeah, there are mechanisms to address it, so it's, it's actually not that bad, like, I actually like that game so far, so I think it's um, it's fine there, it, it works. But it is, it just kind of popped into my mind, because it's like an artificial thing that, like, you can't play the card just because time of day, that's just the thing, so, I don't know. Well, we recorded it, Risto. You can't edit that out. We have you on file, on record, saying you like an Alexander Fister game still, for now. For now. Still. <laughs> still. Yeah. No, this no, is uh, this is frozen in time. It will last forever. You, it, you like Boon Lake. <laughs> oh, actually, I missed this. Speaking of Alexander Fister games, uh, Blackout Hong Kong, I think, has a good market as well. And uh, Mombasa as well, I think, have like uh, really good markets. Oh, yeah. They're kind That's of... True. Uh, they're kind of like the hunger style, so it's like a little bit spreadsheet. So there's like multiple cards per per river space. <laughs> it's kind of like a river, but it's multiple cards per cost space. So it's like multi river. <laughs> yeah, and it's also the in, it's also the end game trigger. Mm, yeah, the more sure, cards yeah. you buy, the the quicker the game goes. Oh yeah, and in uh, Blackout, that's the unique thing I remember now because you like n- remove cards or something if they're bought or empty or something. You ref- there's a weird refill. Yeah, as well. there's there's certain number. Of, so there's a certain number of cards in the deck, and once the deck runs out, the game end of the game is triggered. And if you empty a row of three cards, then you replenish that. So basically, the more cards you buy. And they get cheaper the fewer the fewer cards there are in the row. So uh, anyway, yeah. it's it's just the game timer as well. Yeah, but I thought those markets were actually really good in Blackout specifically. I think that's actually a really good game. I think the theme is kind of whatever, but the game mechanics are really good. Mombasa, I don't know. It was fine for the time when I played it. I didn't really get too deep into it. Um, I thought the market was good. I'm just not sure about like the four tracks in Mombasa. I feel like it kind of locks you in 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 a track in in some ways, which is fine. Like the game works, but I think Blackout is actually a really good game by him. So that's another game which I like by Alexander Fisher. It's not Mombasa anymore. Well, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't care what about what they changed with the recent reprints. I think it's Sky. No, it's Sky Mines. I think is the <laughs> Sky Mines. Or, Whatever. I think it's called Sky Mines. I don't care about questionable sort of themes. Theme. I will play any any questionable theme, in my opinion, but whatever. Well, yeah, it's kind of abstracted out. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Are we moving on to the next one? Yeah, sure. All right. We're talking about my very favorite. I love every <laughs> single game in this entire category. Always. Trick-taking climbing slash bidding games what i meant by bidding is trick taking games where you bid for how many tricks you're gonna take pretty cool right like uh skull king that type that type of stuff yeah 
Um, what I was going to say is I think we played Diamonds actually recently, which is a trick-taking game, uh, similar to Hearts, because Diamonds get it. I don't know. Not really. Uh, and I kind of have lessened my excitement about that game, kind of, as I'm realizing. Yes, uh, yes, come to the dark side. <laughs> no, I think it's because the game is basically no Trump. So there's it kind of feels not great i think the only thing that the game has interesting that has going for it is uh basically trying to slough things um i don't know if you're familiar if it, if listeners are familiar with trick-taking games but sloughing is like so in trick-taking games someone leads like hearts or something and you have to play a heart and if you don't have a heart you can play whatever you want which is called sloughing and commonly, I guess, I don't know, I might have different, whatever, sloughing, I think is how most people call it. And in Diamonds, the innovation there is by sloughing, you can actually do some cool action, which nets you points. Uh, so you're basically trying to kind of set up sloughing in, in the whole game. But you're also trying to not give someone a lot of cards, because if they collect the majority of that suit, they also do the action of the suit at the end of the game. Kind of hard to explain, but there is no trump. So basically... It's just like looking at your hand, setting up sequences of numbers and trying to slough just the right amount or something so that you get more points than the winner of the hand or something. Or I think the other strategy is like win every hand or win no hands <laughs> and slough a lot, uh, then you're going to do well. Uh, I think I kind of appreciate Trump's in general. I think they make the trick-taking games way more interesting or games which can be played with a Trump. So like trick thinking games sometimes have modes where you can uh, actually it's like part of bidding whether there's going to be a Trump or not maybe uh, actually reminds me of Nyet Nyet you can actually play a game without Trump where you can like kind of vote for a Trump so um, yeah Nyet was cool I liked that one. Yeah, it's it's fine. I, I don't know. It's not like the super supreme achievement of tricky taking games, but it was fun, and I think maybe part of it is because it had trumps. Um, I think diamonds is really kind of missing a trump mechanic, which is sad. Do you um, like hearts? Uh, actually, I really like hearts. Yeah, uh, hearts that also also doesn't have a trump. Yeah, hearts doesn't have a trump, but I think it's kind of interesting there because sometimes it's depressing as well because sometimes you just have like an unfixable bad hand. Uh, but I think the kind of evens thing, out over the course of the game, though. Yeah, the yeah, it's supposed to even out, or uh, that that's <laughs> I also, guess it doesn't always. <laughs> that's also player decisions, though, and I think it's kind of interesting because there's like uh, an element of like control there because you can, in theory, control who you give lots of negative points to with like the Queen of Spades or whatever it was. Um, spades right i think it's spades. yes i'm pretty sure it's spades um or like try to shoot the moon the shoot the moon mechanic actually saves it a little bit even though usually i don't try to do it when i play hearts because i think it's like <laughs> shooting the moon it's like really hard to do uh sometimes with the right, right hand you can do it though but i think good players will stop you and uh i think it just feels like there's more control to the game somehow i don't know how to describe it uh, it's not again the ultimate achievement i actually think the ultimate achievement in trick-taking games might be like bridge or belot or something where you can it's a like where it's a partnership game you get dealt cards and you there's some kind of a bidding mechanic basically 
which is connected to how good you think your hand is. I think those games are the best ones. Uh, an individual style of those games is Wizard or Skulking, where you're like, depending on your head, hand, you're bidding on how many tricks you're going to take. So like, if you have a really bad hand, you can still do well. If you have a really good hand, you can still do well. If you have an average hand, you can still do well. I think that's the best solution to the, the random deals. Yeah, I, I liked those ones uh, for that reason. I, I'm not a huge fan of trick-taking games, but there there are a couple of them that I have enjoyed. Yeah, there's yeah there's some really archaic things about like Belot in particular, but I haven't played Bridge, but I kind of have an idea of what it is. Unfortunately, a lot of old people, I think, play, play or not unfortunately, is just like kind of a thing that's associated with bridge for whatever uh, reason actually we have a couple of friends who were interested in bridge and they went to some bridge gathering and they're like we were the youngest ones there by far (laughs) (laughs) by far two years yeah yeah, yeah. i was like yep that sounds about right i don't know why it has that reputation because i think it's probably a really cool game but it's just yeah it's weird um, I also recently played Tichu, which was... I also k- played it. <laughs> kind of a disaster, actually. <laughs> no, it was really good. Uh, it seemed really kind of broken, even with the bidding, because like, you can obviously call Tichu and like Grand Tichu or whatever. That's like a bidding mechanic of, like, I think my hand is awesome. But we just kind of got steamrolled maybe the deals were like really bad consistently uh with the partner that i played with and actually he played the game before so i don't think it was necessarily a problem with us <laughs> just kind of like the cards <laughs> we got i need no, to we were it. just too good risto we were just too good uh no i played it with someone else actually not with you i don't know did i play it with you recently yeah yeah we played it at uh i don't remember that's crazy we played it at that birthday day uh, hmm. you might remember. No, we played it with uh, Jonathan and Jacob. That's really crazy because I don't remember. Uh, but I played a different game, which I do remember. <laughs> maybe you just play maybe, black that night out. <laughs> maybe because it was so bad or something. This is the game that I remember because I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I don't know. It was just terrible. But I think Dichu actually has potential. Maybe I'm just bad at the game still. I don't know. I need to play on board game arena and see how games go, kind of with that game because I think it has potential. Is uh, is that one on BGA? Yeah, it is actually. I don't know if too many people play it, but in theory, it's on BGA. So yeah, <laughs> in theory, yeah. some games like yeah. never have lobbies ever, and no one plays them. And last thing ever, with uh, which exhaust drafting cards perfectly. One forever. one thing before we move on from trick taking, stick them. Um, actually, I do like stick them. Stick them. <laughs> stick them's good because it's trick taking with no rules. <laughs> Trick taking was sticking. Yeah, was sticking. No, I was gonna say um, we recently played Bar- Brian Boru, um, oh, yeah. which technically is a trick technically trick taking. <laughs> but it, I was gonna get your thoughts on this. It, like it, action it, selection. Yeah, it's like it's more kind of action selection because the the way the tricks work, and I I really enjoyed this actually. Uh, was pleasantly surprised because I was not expecting to like the game, but the way it works is that. So everybody plays their cards simultaneously and then you do the trick, right? But if you don't win the trick, you get to do an action that's printed on your card. So it, 
and and it has a board involved. So like you're doing things with the cards. So it it is kind of just selecting action because you can kind of know. I, well, I'm going to lose this trick so I can do this thing, right? And then maybe you don't lose that trick and then you're mad. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, I really that's that that's kind of what happens in trick taking anyway. Is that you're you're either planning to lose or planning to win the trick. Um, and I, I liked that they had then attached mechanisms to to like the result the, of for that. For the failure when, yeah. you, when you don't so win. So maybe it's not so much that it's action selection so much as it is it's just it's assigning a consequence, m- mechanically speaking, to what you've chosen to do. But um, it is kind of action selection. But I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's fine for what it's doing. Yeah, I didn't, it didn't super feel like a trick-taking game, but it does have trick-taking elements like leading, and you have to, if you win the trick, you have to play a higher number of the same suit and stuff and whatever. Uh, to me, it's more like action selection, I would say. Actually, I think there's people are trying to do like trick-taking games with... Uh, a lot of like effects if you lose the trick or if you play the cards without winning the trick. Um, I saw something on Kickstarter recently. I think that has the potential of being extremely chaotic and kind of annoying. Probably kind of maybe good if you uh, play the game a lot and get to know all the cards, but like cards where you have to remember everything. It just kind of it's, it's chaos. Um, Sounds and- like a high entry uh, barrier of entry. Oh, yeah, or just yeah, knowing what's possible to happen in the game and just kind of... Uh, there was actually some other game that did that as well. Basically, like, every single card you play, if you don't win, it does something or something like that. that that's something I remember, something like that. But anyway, um, not super huge on those kind of games because chaos. Just the, I think trick-taking games have, like, a rhythm where you kind of have some expectations. Like, if I'm going to play a high card, I'm going to win. If I'm going to play a low card, I'm going to lose, and that's fine, and you you just kind of flow with it and you kind of try to take over sometimes and start winning by pushing a suit and stuff so i think i don't know i'm not huge on and they also like break up the game i think like stop and do this stop and do that so that's fine but it works in brian borrow i think because the game is relatively simple so you just kind of do stuff and it works yep all right. And then the now last thing that <laughs> that uh, is going to exhaust the card games mechanics perfectly, and there's no other card games mechanics other than the ones we've mentioned, is <laughs> <laughs> drafting. Again, the uh, views of Risto did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, drafting games, I think basically what I mentioned here, which we already talked about, I think so a little bit repeating here, but... Um, I think drafting is a good way to reduce kind of randomness out of drawing off the top of a deck. Uh, actually, p- pretty good uh, because, in theory, that uh, can be done, I think, a good way, in a bad way. I don't know. That's not saying much. And then much. a really good way. <laughs> in a really good way. <laughs> no, what I'm thinking about is, again, the thing we mentioned with Nidavellir versus Sushi Go. Um, I don't like drafting games where if you want to be mean or something, you get no benefit. Basically, it's kind of like I will hurt myself so that I hurt you. I think that's not great. And I think I really like the way Nidavellir solves that with like, I'm going to take a card that I'm not collecting a set for, but I will eventually receive like a hero of the 
cars that I don't have sets like large sets for and I still want like my huge scoring multiplier set of same cards which I'm collecting but like the denying people cards is not hurting me you know what I mean that's, I think that's really good yeah I was kind of thinking through if there's another game that does that yeah not really I think like that's a that's the thing with like drafting games and same thing with actually Azul. Azul is kind of a form of a drafting, not cards, but tiles. I think sometimes like you shouldn't do a good move for you because the next one is going to be better for someone else or something, or you should take tiles that don't really work for you because someone else is going to get hurt. And that's kind of bad, I think, because if the tiles don't work for you, both of you are behind, you know, and I never like that in kind of games in general. Yeah, in Azul, it, it can be a little... <sighs> just slightly more nuanced than that sometimes in that if you if can the, make the bad things work <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's not so much bad as it is i guess it's more just like order of doing things i just yeah. played a game the other day where there was something set up for me to take it and it was going to be really good for me but i looked around at the other players and like there were other things that they wanted more <laughs> and yeah. so I was like, oh, I can make, I can have that one wait, and so I can do oh, this delay. other. I can have this. I can do this other draft first that will help me, and then I, you know, put basically like put somebody's option into the middle so that they have yeah, to take yeah, the yeah. negative point for it, and then I get my other draft anyway. Um, yeah. It is pushing your leg to do that. that but that's what I was going to say is then someone just takes it to grief you and yeah, then exactly. both of you are behind. And that, that <laughs> has happened. I get grief drafted sometimes, but sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of unpleasant. And yeah, those decisions come up sometimes. And I think Nida Villier solves it in a really good way. Uh, uh, do you want to talk about Peace Rage? I think Nidavir is like <laughs> way too balanced maybe because of it because the scores are like 300 and 100 and they're usually really close if good people play because of that. So yeah, it's like, comes that, down to like 10 points sometimes. Yeah, that has been my experience with Nidavir too. But it's a good game. I like it. But I think but the, that balance is because of this mechanic. Otherwise, it'd be just like uh, someone gets probably like 350, someone else gets like 100 or something that like then you know if two people are fighting the third one's gonna collect their set uh yeah. whatever uh yeah blood rage i don't know i mean blood rage <laughs> has like a weird thing where there's a guy that collects negative stuff that no one really wants so i think it's the same kind of so to speak problem i mean the loki cards or whatever they can be good for someone who's doing positive things but they're kind of i think most of the time you're like you'd rather have a different card but then you probably should take the not so good cards for you because if someone collects all the lucky cards they're just gonna be like <laughs> a ridiculous monster that just steamrolls the game in my opinion but i don't know so but and it, it kind of works in a weird way maybe you yeah. just have to be aware of what can happen and in, in, I guess this is kind of true of all drafting games, but what's good in Blood Rage is just so relative to, yeah, yeah. to how your game is playing out. What I mean is like a positive card, like a battle card or like a end resource build-up card, you know. Oh, versus as Loki to like, is like... Uh, <laughs> if you die, you get two points or something. <laughs> or if you die, you get to put another guy out. That's like my favorite card. <laughs> Actually, that's really... that's the that That is the starting card that you have to have. If you die, you put another guy out and then you just get yeah. all those losing cards yep 
I uh, it was sad. We we started the game that way the other night on on BGA, and I had like every single Loki card, so it was going to just be amazing. But then one of the players quit, and then we <laughs> we left the game. I think he rage quit because I Loki'd him, and, uh, and, and then uh, someone else did it the next game, and they won. So yep. yay! Yep. So anyway, that, it should be called Loki Rage. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. But anyway, that's actually like the card game stuff that we wanted to talk about, I think, unless you have something else to mention. This exhausts the topic perfectly. Nothing else can be said. Uh, Gingopolis is also a drafting game. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, I like Gingopolis. We've talked about it on the show before, but it, uh, it... I like that it ties drafting. So I'm I'm not a huge fan of just straight up drafting games, uh, card drafting games. Like I don't really enjoy Sushi Go very much, um, but I like it when drafting is tied to something else. Uh, so in Ginkopolis, it's just fun because drafting cards is tied to building the city out and doing other things. And Blood Rage can be fun because drafting cards ultimately leads to like building your asymmetrical powers or being better in fights or whatever so i i just like drafting when it's kind of mixed with other things i don't know it's kind of weird with king couples because i think we've had some okay games and i played a game online which was okay just to a player but then i had like a really bad game and broken because of i think drafting decisions uh from maybe other players as well players sitting to my right but uh I don't know. I'm still not sure if like those games just happen once in a while or is it just like mistakes that were made or decisions that were made. But it's kind of a weird game, yeah. But uh I I it's got very interesting mechanics, not just the drafting, but the drafting is connected with like this kind of deck building. The game builds its own deck plus engine building kind of decisions. So very, very weird kind of game. Very unique as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a pretty unique and cool system. Yep. Anything else? There is nothing left in the history of the world yep. to say we've, about we've, card games or cards and games. We've basically exhausted this topic. We've given a thorough history of the last <laughs> uh, 25 years of card games. Yeah, so what was the good, what was the bad, and what was the ugly? Uh, The good is 51st State and Race for Galaxy and Lewis and Clark. The bad is Ark Nova. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And the ugly, I don't know. I'm looking. Our Ginkopolis was pretty ugly, but I don't know if it's it's always ugly is the problem. I don't know if there's any really ugly games. Usually we don't talk about the ugly games. We just kind of ignore them or forget that they (laughs) exist. (laughs) I'm also kind of slightly joking about Ark Nova. We'll talk about it, I guess. But... um, or am I? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> we um, can bring it up another time. <laughs> uh, ugly. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a really ugly drafting game. Not really. Or just card game. I mean, I don't know. No, to me. But I mean, the one was enjoyed by a lot of people though. But yeah, it's just like a game with little decisions and snap cards. It can be fun actually if you play it. I think properly with like the speed, because I think the speed rules are very important for having fun with the game. You know, the slapping of cards. You can yeah. play out of turn if you have the right card. That's I think that makes the game kind of more infuriating as well, but also maybe fun if you're into that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would I wouldn't say it, I can think of a really ugly game. Um, so yeah. Yeah, probably the games we talked about that I like the most. Uh, I mean, 
you can guess because I like kind of the crunchy, dry Euro games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I liked Boone Lake a lot. I liked Alma Mater quite a bit. Uh, I do like Ginkopolis. Ark Nova, I have slotted in the like category. I don't know if I love it, but I, I like playing it. It's fun. Uh, sure. I don't like games like Race for the Galaxy and and Ares Expedition, Boo. but but I they're not bad games. I just don't enjoy Actually, them. I, I did not like Ares Expedition. It's it's okay. I mean, like I kind of got used to it. So we actually played it after we played it, and it went slightly better. But in my opinion, it's just kind of more clunky, and it does feel like Terraforming Mars shortened, but. I don't know. I'd rather play Terraforming Mars or something if I wanted that Me experience. Me too. And, it, and I'm, I might be getting to the point where if I want to play Terraforming Mars, I'll just play Dark Nova. <laughs> yeah, that's the unfortunate part about Terraforming Mars these days, but yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, so that's kind of our topic, and we can move on to some games we played. All right, so uh, speaking of ugly, just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Dark Nova is the game we want to talk about. We've played it, I guess, Trevor two times now. Me, like, four times? Three times, I think. Uh, So it's not a lot of play time but um i think some people have played it solo actually some people probably play it inside they have played it inside their family but i have a pretty good idea of like what the game is after three times playing it so we thought about like just kind of talking slightly more about it we mentioned it before but just kind of more deep dive maybe of what the game is and our um how awesome it is or not (laughs) so (laughs) yeah yeah uh, so just quick overview of what Arc Nova is. It's um, well, if, if you've played Terraforming Mars before, the game will feel pretty familiar. But uh, basically, the theme is you're building a zoo and trying to get recognition for your zoo in the form of these like ticket recognition points. Appeal. Oh, is appeal. The, 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 one trying to, the other one is conservation. Yeah. So you're trying to make your zoo appealing by getting cool a- animals there. Animals. <laughs> yes. By appealing animals. Yeah. You get you get animals there that have appeal. Uh, you put them in nice uh, enclosures and you uh, you have attractions in your zoo like kiosks and, and all that type of stuff. And rocks. Yeah, and then and then you also engage in conservation projects, which runs a separate track. And these two tracks, appeal and conservation, work just like the scoring track in Rogers of the Ganges, which is they start on opposite sides of a board, and then at some point they will converge. And when the first player converges those two tracks, that triggers the end of the game. And uh, you just you score the difference between your two markers. So it is possible to score negative points <laughs> in this game. Uh, what are you doing on your turn? You're doing one of five actions. That's it. There's only five actions in the whole game, and those five actions are printed on cards in front of you, and they can be I, from power one to five, and depending on the power at which you take the action, you get to do different or better things. Um, so the like the cards, you, the actions you could take is animals to play a card. You can do the cards card, which just like helps you 
draw more cards into your hand. There's a market, kind of a river market, as well as drawing off the top of the deck. Uh, you can build enclosures or just build things in your zoo. Every player has a, a personal zoo board, zoo mat in front of them. Uh, you can also play a sponsor's card, which brings in these engine type cards from your hand. The animal cards are pretty much always, I think, just one-time bonuses. So the animals, if if you're thinking of Terraforming Mars, the animal cards are like the green cards, the project cards, and then your your uh, bl- your sponsor cards are like the blue cards in, yep. in Terraforming Mars. They can... <laughs> And I'd say they even have the same requirements, like science symbols. So, like yep. the same same thing. A lot of sponsors require science symbols to be played. Then you kind of get more and more science symbols. You can do like a science strategy or something. Yep, exactly. There's tags on the cards that uh, can build synergies and let you do cooler things. It, it, it basically like you're picking kind of an area that you want to go into and you do that. So like you might have a primate strategy or a predator strategy or bird strategy, which is OP. Uh, Um, And then I think the only other action I didn't mention is that you can do an association action, which is basically you're taking your zoo reputation out into the world and you're either like gaining more knowledge gaining knowledge in the game basically like gets you benefits that help you go along and then also it it gains uh more access to the cards that are available in the market so you can basically have more options uh you can partner with other zoos around the world which also unlocks further abilities and then also allows you to play other cards and then you can do uh, what are those cards called the points cards. Uh, I want to say conservation projects, but I'm not sure. I think they are called conservation projects because usually they give you conservation track. Yeah. Like almost always. Maybe actually for sure. They I think give it's you just exclusively. Con- well, it's, it's conservation, sometimes knowledge. Um, it, it's con- conservation's involved for sure. Sometimes there is one card with knowledge. Some, yeah, th- there's never appeal. I think it's just, I think it's conservation projects is what they're called. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you you basically can, depending on the strength of your association action, you can uh, do these these various actions. Um, and you can the other other thing that I haven't mentioned is is that you can make each of your action cards better by flipping them to their number two side, which is they just are more are better versions of the same action. Basically, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> yeah, you flip them by going to these like yeah. tracks where you have to invest a lot of kind of free well not resources just like time into the track to be yes. able to flip a card yeah so there's there's no like random upgrade your thing the the upgrade spots are all either on your personal player board or on other areas of the board it's like basically going up the tracks is how you do it so um yeah that's kind of yeah. how the game plays I was gonna say the association actions. I don't know if you like use the word, but like it's basically worker placement. It's like a worker placement mechanic in the game, which is really strange because the rest of the game is basically terraforming Mars plus your personal board. So instead of building Mars, you're building like a zoo, and it feels pretty cool. But there's this random idea I think that um, he had, and it works well actually. Of like, why not worker placement? So there's this sideboard with a little bit of worker placement because it's it's good. <laughs> it's yeah. good to have worker placements here and here and there, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
it just um, feels kind of like weird because the, the rest of the game is just cards by cards manage resources and worker placement yep yep every game needs a little bit of worker placement yep um so my overall impression of the game is it it kind of scratches the same itch that terraforming mars does um but it there's more i i think there's more game there yeah, yeah, for because, sure. I because think. of the the because other mechanisms, the and, yeah, because of the worker <laughs> placement. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> it's true. Mars doesn't have. I uh, Mars. Mars doesn't have worker play. Terraforming Mars doesn't have worker placement. So yeah, it's good. That's what it's got, got Is going that for. It. True. There are a couple oh, of expansions. There's there's like oh I haven't played expansions. I was gonna say there's like these triggers on the cards which don't happen in uh, whatever uh, Ark Nova. Like you can uh, have like uh, yeah. That actually, launch, launch space shuttles or whatever you know like put cubes on a card that yeah, mechanic doesn't exist in that I Nova. guess that's technically worker placement it's like a sh- <laughs> shuttle that. launching yeah. it's just like counters like on yeah. cards um, so I think that uh, Arc Nova doesn't fix kind of the main problem with terraforming Mars and, and it it's not a problem depending on whether you worse. like it or not uh <laughs> the, the the issue is that uh cards right so it, you, your ability to pursue a strategy depends on you getting the right cards um i think in terraforming mars that's pretty bad because there is no market you're just top decking and then you're drafting on top of that. No, I was going to say the draft somewhat maybe makes it less of a problem. I, I think. don't know because people can hold stuff from you in a draft and yeah. like there's no guarantee that like you're getting past anything good anyway. So, like, I mean, it kind of it works out in the end because you play the game and then and then yeah, it yeah, ends, but right? I mean, but, but, it, but it's better than just drawing it's uh, still a draft so like if someone got like six good cards you're hopefully going to get one of them you know yeah but there is no card market so you you are just i mean terraforming mars focuses on the draft and if you like the draft you might like it more i personally like the i like the way that arc nova does it more just because i like being able to see a market of cards and the market of cards in in arc nova does refresh uh, every once you hit a break, which is not, uh, it's not a set interval of time. It's just whenever that coffee mug moves up its track to the right spot. It's kind of player driven actually. And usually someone desperate yeah. for money causes it to happen. Yeah. So, but you're, you're right. that Arc Nova does kind of compound the luck a little bit in that not only do you have to get the right cards, but then you also have to put the your your action cards then needs to be in the right spot. And that just means I guess that on top of the luck you're just having to plan it out. And I guess why I like that more is I like to plan it out, right? And and Terraforming Mars is a little less interesting in that you're just kind of planning it out is a matter of, oh, I just need to get the enough resources to play it. That's it. Uh, or I, oh, it's, I guess you do have to do have some prerequisites of, you know, terraforming conditions and tags and things like that. But uh, I like the puzzle of having your action cards in the right spot in, in Arc Nova. 
And for whatever reason, then in this last game we played, I had just copious amounts of X tokens because I had an engine that was giving them to me. Uh, so I basically could do it very often. I could do whatever action I wanted because I could put it to the strength I wanted it to be. Um, yeah. But I know you didn't have that same experience. No, I should say, like, the preface everything with, I think it's actually an interesting game as far as, like, mechanics. It's, uh, I think it's kind of an interesting passage, package. It's an interesting package. It comes together pretty well with, like, thematically. I think thematically it's really strong. Like, it really feels like you're building a zoo and, like, installing animals. And, like, it's really cool because uh, also very thematically, like, to conserve them, you often, like, release them into the wild or whatever, or you, like, partner with other zoos. You know, it's like, it, it feels pretty thematic um even like the animals are supposed to be kind of funny like i don't know if uh, like some primates are like oh you the like hyper monkeys or something you get two x tokens or whatever you know like uh, i don't know how if the monkeys like you play with them you know <laughs> it's just like doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> or like you uh get the reptiles are focused on like take that and stuff so uh I don't know if you're like thematically like release snakes into the the offices of the other zoos. It's a little bit ridiculous, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, they get bitten. So yeah, take that. Um, it's just kind of good fun, I guess, with like the the thematic tie-ins. I, that they you can definitely tell that. You know, it could have been a lot worse. I've seen car uh, games that are just like pictures or something, or it's like, I don't know, generic graphics. Um, you can definitely tell that they thought about each card, how to make it kind of stand out and unique and um, good and fit fitting with what it actually does. You know, yeah. I think that's I, actually really good. Yeah, I was going to say that the theme just comes through. Yeah. in Arc Nova yep. in, a, in really cool ways. And I would argue that like in 51st 8th and Race for the Galaxy even like after we've played it a few times you can kind of see like similar things like obviously every card they thought about um, like what does this card do and why and should it then it's like called something to evoke like you know like a story or whatever uh, a card a game that does this really badly um, is actually Hadara I still like playing the game a lot and I think it's really cool mechanically but the cards feel completely lifeless you're just drawing numbers basically and like some kind of very generic disconnected picture that you really don't care about so i think this game like definitely gets that right and i think that's why a lot of people like it is because i think it's just like so kind of thematic and just cool to play because it feels like you're partnering with zoos and like installing animals and like have, have penguins in your zoo and whatever you know it's cool so, yeah yeah well you better like hadara uh -huh, sure no no i i played the <laughs> already multiple times i like it I, okay. I know that i like it i like it mechanically i should say uh don't play it for the theme because there is no theme i mean it's a joke yeah but mechanically it's cool um similar to seven wonders but we're not talking about hadara no you're we're legally talking, obligated to like it because i think i gave it to you. yeah yeah yeah. no that's that i know uh i like it okay 
uh, what was I talking about? Arc Nova, just Arc overall Nova feelings theme. of the game. Oh yeah, um, a lot of actually kind of the vibes and maybe even the problems, so to speak, of the game remind me of Wingspan. Actually, it's like a Wingspan plus 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 because it's like a super Wingspan because <laughs> Wingspan is much easier. But a lot of it reminds me of Wingspan for some reason. I think even the Wingspan lady, uh, the designer Elizabeth Hargrave. Elizabeth Hargrave, she is on like one of the cards or something tie-in. Someone told me it's like a easter egg or something so i don't know like if it was inspired or something by it or whatever but it reminds me of that um unfortunately with a lot of kind of the card issues that you talked about uh which again wingspan really strong theme i think it's really cool um you draw a hand and you start the game and same thing here you draw a hand and well it's at eight hand of eight keep four start the game which in an engine building game it's kind of weird you know but uh like trevor said it it feels uh, i think good to play the game unfortunately i think if you don't care about the score necessarily is my opinion it like you should maybe take it as like an experience to just kind of play the game or something is is my opinion about um arc nova uh speaking of which i made like a theoretical exercise to see how many green cards there are in the game and there's 20 of them so it's possible very 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 unlikely and that's why you should shuffle the deck a lot but it is theoretically possible that you draw eight green cards there's 20 of them in the game so you can draw eight green cards which cannot be played by the way like they're all just like these end game like you have to meet goals and stuff cards you can draw eight of them in your initial hand you can wait until the cards that let you draw cards uh which is off the top of the deck usually is what you choose at the beginning of the game you can get like three more <laughs> off the top of the deck then you can get three more then you can get three more so like for for a lot of turns in theory like this is astronomically ridiculous that this would happen but it could happen you could just draw like green cards for a long time in the game while other people are just like building animals and just doing like things in an engine building game i think that's just crazy like i say the odds of that happening are astronomical but it is possible <laughs> so, <laughs> so i <that's> would <laughs> i would probably bet that that would never happen. Yes, because there's a there's a card market. You're not just top decking every time. <laughs> so so that's the thing is that the the way the like the way the game goes on later, like mid mid game late game, I think it works really well. But the way the game starts you usually should be drawing cards off the top of the deck. I think there's an action where you can snap a card or take like actually you can't take the card that you're on usually because the card doesn't let you so the card that you get cards with the action that you get cards with i call it the cards card because the action is called cards so like the action is card whatever um is draw from the top of the deck to draw from your knowledge range which is like the face-up cards you have to flip it and to flip it it takes quite a while it's like a significant effort i think um it's gonna take a while if you flip it uh, and also getting up on the knowledge track takes a while, which is why I'm saying is like by the mid game when, when you can actually take from the face up cards, it works really well, I think. And there's lots of really cool decisions. You can actually play cards from the table directly from the table. So like play cards from the market. So really cool. However, like the beginning of the game, which I think is really crucial, uh, you basically are drawing cards from the top of the deck. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just kind of 
it i think and yeah maybe like if you drew eight green cards you should really consider the snap action where you can get like one card at least that you can play but that's i think that's kind of putting you behind in my opinion and that's just like if uh, the way the game goes uh, unfortunately i was actually looking at bgg and some other people have kind of complained about it uh, but not many i think generally most people think it's fine uh, like i say if you shuffle the deck i think this astronomically bad luck that this could happen but it is possible but people have said that they're drafting their initial hands um they're they've also said that they're drawing like 12 cards or 16 cards instead of eight to choose four um i think that's fine whatever like i say if you shuffle the deck that shouldn't happen but the game relies that you're gonna get a decent mix of cards in your initial hand and off the top of the deck at the start um yeah, I was kind of thinking about whether it would be more fun to have those green cards <laughs> be or something be like not part of the main yes. deck. Um, no, it, it's actually like I don't want to like redesign the game, and I have the same problem with wingspan. Like uh, people have started drafting their hand initial hand of wingspan or whatever to make it the fair or whatever, because I think wingspan also. Is, similar thing wingspan has a goal in the first round where you basically are playing off of your initial hand mostly i think you can draw some cards but you should really play off of your initial hand it has like a set collection thing for the first round where like it rewards someone for specific birds and if you just drew the right birds you're good to go if you didn't you have no chance of getting that goal it's not a major goal but it is a thing that just like because you drew the right birds things can happen for you so same thing people are, have started drafting and stuff but i really don't want to change the game redesign the game play variants whatever in my opinion like this is the game that he designed this is how he wants it played so that's how i'll play it so that's that's it but i think like he could have had three different markets one for sponsors one for animals one for uh the green cards maybe like animals are five long sponsors are like four long projects are too long or so you know there's uh, you, you can also like stage the deck so like one two three cheaper animals more expensive animals there are ways you can do this but i think like like i say i don't want to modify the game um and mostly it works fine the way it is like i've had a i had a two like pretty decent games this last one i knew from the initial hand that it was going to be pretty bad and that like the drawing didn't improve it by much and it was kind of bad um but like i say the game is a lot of fun to play um you're just maybe it's not like the most controllable game in some ways i don't know yeah and it that's the same thing that terraforming mars suffers from is you just have to get the right cards and you only have so much control over that yeah it's true in terraforming mars you, you can also get some expensive projects which are you don't want to or projects with well the joke there is like you get projects with the requirements which are impossible so you just like don't want to do those cards yep. and if there's a lot of those cards you're just kind of like well i can't play any cards <laughs> so, yep <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of <laughs> bad uh, yeah. but yeah i don't know um like I say, I think it's super thematic, uh, could be really fun, lots of kind of combos and uh, promising stuff and interesting stuff. Um, again, with with these types of games, when you were talking about like, I'll go for a bird strategy, I don't know if that's like the best approach to the game, because I think 
in Race for the Galaxy, for example, in 51st State, I think you kind of are supposed to flow with what the game gives you. And if you try to force a strategy on the game, it usually goes really badly. Uh, or it's like luck. Like uh, you can, like for in Race for the Galaxy, it reminds me like, I'm going to do military. And like you draw no military cards, you should probably pivot. Because <laughs> like you drew no military cards, you're not doing military at that point. Same thing here. Like if you think you're going for birds and you drew something else, you should probably pivot. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree and I, I think in in games like Ark Nova, you just kind of have to be more opportunistic than uh, deterministic, I guess. <laughs> you just have to, you just have to, you know, go with the punch, roll with the punches. Yeah. But overall, actually, with all that, um, I think as long as you maybe shuffle the deck really well and the cards are kind of evenly distributed... Um, it should be a good time, hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> when, you play, when, you, when you play it. Uh, no, it, even even if you have a bad game, I think like it's kind of the process of playing it maybe is fun. Uh, I mean, it maybe it it is fun. I think because it's so thematic, like I say, and that it, it just kind of feels interesting with the things you're doing, um, and the thematic ties and all the pictures and the things that you feel like are accomplishing. Uh, the only thing is like someone else might be accomplishing in more things, but that's fine. I guess you just um, play another game. I mean, <laughs> yep. of Ark Nova maybe afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's the tiebreaker. <laughs> and, and hope to get better things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 uh, I like kinda, Ark Nova. I'm kind of curious how it's going to go if, like, as time goes on, as people play it. Maybe there's going to be ex an expansion or something which does something weird as well. Uh, I think just how much uh, love it's getting, there's probably going to be at least an expansion. One. At least one. Yeah. Uh, that would be crazy because actually we also didn't talk about it, but teaching this game is a freaking nightmare, kind of. Well, it's pretty much a nightmare, yeah. Um, I don't know. It reminds me of there was this video of this elderly couple, uh, parents of one of the people filming probably, uh, someone was explaining Wingspan to them and they're like, trying to understand like the tucking underneath the bird mechanics and you know the weird stuff that the game does <laughs> yeah like, that was really what's difficulty. his name <laughs> it was yeah. the the actor from criminal minds and uh oh was it someone uh, famous yeah it was Inigo montoya from uh princess bride <laughs> oh i don't know if you're thinking about the same thing elizabeth hargrave actually posted it i think on twitter yeah yeah is that the same thing yeah it's yeah it's uh let me look up his name real quick oh crazy i didn't even i didn't even recognize him or realize that it is someone famous uh but anyway like if if people mandy patinkin that's his name yeah um if you take that video and multiply it by four <laughs> that's that's what uh arc nova is as far as kind of uh, teaching i should say if you teach it to people who have played games before just board games in general because like they'll recognize like worker placement resources icons you know like you always have these icons like icon requirements but someone who's new to the game is just gonna be like oh my gosh this is just like my brain melting and which action should i do and what am i doing and they're gonna be very confused i think with uh, it's not like a first game i think unless you're brave i guess there's always people that are brave and go right into the deep end and they're fine maybe gloomhaven but, but it's <laughs> it's 
kind of ridiculous to teach and also i've heard ridiculous to play i think actually the playtime will go drastically down this the longer the more you play it because even my third game i think i'm like very used to hack the flow of the game now and uh actions go kind of fairly quickly i think and um the long time play times i think are people like just kind of having brain meltdowns of what should i do because there's so many choices that you can so many things you can do <laughs> if you have the right cards <laughs> there's, there's so many <laughs> things that you can do sometimes uh or and just kind of wrapping your head around like the worker placement part of the game and the breaks and the timing of like when you should do what um it's a little bit crazy sometimes uh but i think as more people play it i'm looking forward to kind of playing it with people who kind of know how to play so it goes faster in the future because it's a popular game i think that's going to happen hopefully right yep uh so anyway that's my arc nova experience i don't know if i want to say anything else about it to me it feels like a mix of terraforming mars with wingspan kind of some kind of weird mixture between the two uh actually someone said uh let's settle this now is arc nova similar to terraforming mars and which you like better and people accuse them of like clickbait uh or something because <laughs> i don't uh, know why it's clickbait it's like it's very similar <laughs> uh, i think a lot of people have said like it's nothing like terraforming mars what are you talking about and it's it animals of, <laughs> and it kind of technically isn't but it like it has this weird feeling that it is like terraforming mars i can't explain it so. it's, well because the card system is like an exact copy yeah yeah like the the way cards work in Arc Nova is exactly how they work in much, in, yeah. in Terraforming Mars, which is why they uh, you know it's a it's a kind of a cop. It's not a copy, but it's just like using the same your ideas. Terra your Terraform rating is your appeal rating. Yeah, and and then the uh, the appeal and the conservation is an exact copy of how uh, Rajas of the Ganges works. Like it's it's yeah. exactly the same thing. You know, so it's it's just taking taking ideas from other games and putting them into a new package. But anyway, yeah. Um, overall, I think it's um, I can see why it's very well liked because of the thematic ties and just uh, it looks like there's a lot of things to do in the game, a lot of paths to explore. Yep, yep, I agree. Anyway, is that it for Arknova? I think that's it. Cool. Well. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you next time. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com, or visit our website, www.cardsandcubes.com. We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E. -E. We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme, and thank all of you for listening, and we will return in a couple of weeks.